the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Love Never Fails Radio. Love Never Fails. Inviting you to join in the fight for love. There are millions of people who are trapped in modern day slavery. Take a stand to do something against this injustice. Join the fight against human trafficking. If you truly love, set the captives free. Each week, this program sheds light on the needs of vulnerable people in our community who are impacted by human trafficking, homelessness, addiction, and abuse, and celebrates the work of those who are meeting them right where they are and expressing to them that they are precious, valued, and loved. Our goal is to see this radio audience move to compassion demonstrated in acts of service, generosity, and gifts of time. Give up a chance. Give up your heart. Love never fails. Now here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, founder and executive director of Love Never Fails, Vanessa Russell. Thanks and welcome to Love Never Fails Radio. We are in the studio today with a very special guest, Arthi Ravier, and we are so grateful for the opportunity to hear from a, a industry leader. Um, Arthi comes to us with quite a background. She is the managing director of the West Coast Market uh, for an organization called 110. You've heard me talk about it in the past. This organization is doing some transformative work actually putting an engine and, and, and connectivity, if you will, and collaboration around hiring 1 million black talent without four-year universities over the course of the next 10 years. Not only does Arthi currently work in that capacity, but in the past, she was the scale and innovation team lead for Year Up. And then prior to that, international development and global health leader working on last mile uh, strategies for Central America, South Asia, and the Middle Middle East with a degree in development economics and also a public health degree from Harvard. Fancy. Arthi, we are so excited to have you here with us. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So happy to be here. Yeah. So uh, you and I got connected um, when you came into your role here at, at 110 and, and kind of really around uh, Love Never Fails, IT Biz, specifically our, our IT Academy, Tech Academy kind of moving into the space of becoming a national talent developer for 110. And um, I really wanted to, you know, I want to talk about 110. I think it's amazing, but I always like to start off our show understanding, like, why do people do what they do, right? So, Arthi, I'd love to hear what started you on this journey of bringing, um, you know, health and, and, and sustainability and resource to, uh, people maybe that are having some difficulties in life, uh, people that are underserved, under-resourced. Why do you do this work? Yeah, no, that's a really beautiful question. You know, I think it it obviously all goes back to my family, my parents, my grandparents. Um, when we came, we immigrated to the U.S. when I was about four years old, and I saw my dad 
in so many ways be supported um, really deeply by a small community of South Asians that had immigrated here at the time. And just those signals and insights into where he should retrain for his degree, just given where the market was and where job opportunities were, how folks like really leaned in to help him, were aligning you know, his area of focus with market demand. And in retrospect, I saw that all happening in a very organic way for my dad, um, given his network. And um, that shift catapulted our family significantly, um, you know, into sort of, in, in many ways, like achieving the American dream, which I know is unachievable for so many. Um, and, you know, as I got older, I started to really think about one, just how lucky I was to have had such a beautiful upbringing with with both of my parents and, you know, their blood, sweat and tears and their hard work coming to this country and making it for themselves and had just always been, um, I don't know, just had an internal voice inside me that had always been pushing me to give back. Um, and, you know, I had many different ways and paths towards getting there and spent a fair amount of my time in my 20s abroad, which was a really beautiful experience. Uh, when I decided to move back to the States, I decided that, you know, I really wanted to follow in the footsteps of those that had served my father in this particular way and focus my efforts on economic development and helping folks achieve family sustaining wage careers. Um, and, you know, now that I have children, I think what's really potent for me is just that intergenerational impact is so strong. Um, you know, my grandmother didn't go past third grade. Um, and so like just seeing where I'm at versus my grandmother and just what a shift one generation can make and how that's rippled effect into my own children, how my parents have supported even my kids. Um, there's just a lot there, you know, there's a lot to be grateful for. And um, I'd like to, you know, I'd like to, my cup overflows and I, I'd like to, you know, give back and pay it forward. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Well, you know, for those of you who are listening, um, you might be thinking, I mean, I think in my generation, everyone knows what the American dream is. But I I just want to just say this out loud because I think we sometimes talk about this whole, you know, we use cliches or we use these phrases, but we don't always understand exactly their thing. And, and I oftentimes think that they're, like you said, they're accessible to everyone, but in your, like you said, not really, right? So yeah. the American dream term coined by James Adams in 1931 that said life should be better and richer and fuller for everyone with the opportunity for each according to their ability or achievement, regardless of social class or circumstances of birth. And it's really, uh, a, this dream is rooted in our Declaration of Independence, which says that all men are created equal and have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I, I wanted to touch on that for a moment, Arthi, and just talk about that, because um, I think it's an ideal that all of us um, embrace. We want to see that happen. And um, and we we have this, the constructs, if you will, of the American dream, but they aren't always accessible to everybody because of racism, classism, you know, um, sexism, a variety of isms out there. Um, and so, yeah, what, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, oh my gosh, that I don't even know where to start. I mean, I think that, I think it's funny that the concept of the American dream even exists sometimes because it's 
so inaccessible to so many. It's like, um, I don't know, it's a lie that we tell to a lot of people. Um, and so I think I would love if we started to look at the American quote unquote dream in a different way. And I think there's, um, there's a lot to be work to be done in terms of helping people obviously achieve the American dream and part and parcel of that. I am just so proud of the work that 110 is doing because I do think that we're putting down the foundations for a lot of people to start moving in that direction. Um, yeah, I think that we need to use different language to talk about what people are really striving for. And mm. I think people are striving for different things in their lives and, and want different things for themselves and their families and their communities. And I think we need to honor the nuance. Um, and um yeah, I don't know. I don't really have much more to say about that other than I don't think that the American yeah. was a reality. I think that it's a lie that we've told a lot of people in this country and we need to start to change the narrative. Yeah, no. So I, I uh, so I happen, I would totally agree that it's not as accessible. Let's just say, I think it's, it's, I think having life and liberty and, you know, those words really resonate, you know, life, liberty and pursuit of happiness. I think um, those are, yeah, I think that that's true. I think we want that. We want life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And that means different things to different folks, but um, there are these barriers. There are these barriers that are keeping everybody from accessing life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and I think, and I think there's lie. some built in. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Say, I mean, I just remember as a kid being, you know, there weren't a lot of South Asian kids in my school. And I remember coming and learning about like the history of immigration to the U.S. and just being, you know, sold on the story of like, you know, we can all achieve the American dream if we all just put on our bootstraps or whatever the, the term is and work. And I, you know, as I got older and I started to look at the reality of things, I mean, we all know it's just not the case. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, there's the, it's, well, there's trauma, right. Which keeps you from pulling up your bootstraps. And then there's people who are saying, you can't pull up your bootstraps. You can't do that. You can't come here. You can't do that. And we underestimate the impact that both of those things, you know, the, the, the impact of continually being told no of being pushed out has on your psyche, has on your emotional well-being. And then the fact that the barriers exist. And some people actually believe that. Whoa. All right. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back, um, Arthi. And I want to talk some more like, what is this 110 thing? You know, how did it start? And, you know, who's crazy enough to uh, believe, right, that we can get one million uh, uh, black talent that have without four year university hired in family. I mean, this is crazy talk right now, Arthi. I'm telling you, crazy talk that I love. I love this kind of crazy talk. Um, who, who, Who believes this? I do. Sign me up. But let's find out. Who else is on board? Because I think it's quite the impressive list and it's actually, actually happening. We'll come right back. And thanks for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. For more information on this program, visit loveneverfailsus.com. That's loveneverfailsus.com. We'll be right back with more right after these messages. 
trash bills weighing you down? At Case Industries, we specialize in lowering waste costs and providing trash consolidation and compaction services for multifamily properties, condos, and commercial shopping centers. Let us help you reduce operating expenses and increase property NOI. Case Industries, saving the planet, saving you money. Contact us today for a property trash and recycling assessment online at caseindustries.us or call 510-566-4223. That's caseindustries.us or call 510-566-4223. Case Industries, the property manager's friend. Are you struggling to find peace in your life? Feeling anxious? Or going through a difficult life storm? Scott Dixon, a Christian humanitarian filmmaker and host of the Dove Teachings web series, wants you to know that you are not alone. Go to DoveTeachings.org to see great Dove teaching lessons, pastor insights, and aspiring testimonies. You can watch the current show and more at DoveTeachings.org. That's D-O-V-E Teachings.org, where you will find peace in your daily life through the teachings of Jesus. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion now into here's action. Now here's the host of Love and Never love Fails Radio, Vanessa list. Russell. And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We again are in the studio today with Arthi Ravier, who is the managing director of the West Coast Market at 110. Uh, and we're going to talk all about what 110 does. She also has a variety of experience working with Europe working with international organizations, providing last mile services in Central America, South America, and the Middle East. And uh, we're just so grateful to have you on the show, Arthi. Maybe just tell us uh, a little bit about what what is 110's charter? How long has it been in place? Why? You know, what are you up to? Maybe give us an outlay of, of the organization. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I, I'd like to get there, but I do want to just paint the story a little bit so folks can understand why 110 exists. And then I'll definitely get to our charter and our vision and our mission. Um, but yeah, just to kind of give you a sense of what we're really responding to right now, I think first and foremost, you know, all Americans sort of share this aspiration for economic opportunity 100%. And I think that right now, we're really in this particular moment in time where we know that what we can do to build middle skills and just really create more opportunities for Americans who don't have opportunities for family sustaining wages. Um, and on top of that, we know that black talent age 25 and above in the workforce are without four year degrees and, and don't have access to family sustaining wage jobs. And this these barriers to entry are really perpetuating the racial wealth gap that we see that exists in the country today. Um, and so 110 was an organization that was created in response to this, particularly after George, George Floyd's death. I think a lot of CEOs came together and really decided that they wanted to double down and invest in black talent, um, invest in helping black talent find access to family sustaining wage jobs. And so that's what we're here trying to do. Our mission is to hire, promote, and advance 1 million Black talent without four-year degrees into family sustaining wage jobs in the next 10 years. Um, and, you know, I have to say that the private sector is really stepping up and leading. Um, and we're really, we're really going hard at this with measurable outcomes and tracking, hiring, promotion, upward mobility, and working really closely with employers to make this happen. Amazing. Yeah. So, you know, as you know, I have uh, I worked at Cisco Systems for 12 and a half years. I was pleasantly surprised to hear um, that they had joined the team, Um, surprised because I had been there for 12 and a half years. And and, you know, the early Cisco 
um, was was pretty monoracial and even yeah. monogender um, in many ways. And I I think it's very um, I think it's very true of the tech industry in general. And so I was really pleasantly surprised to see Cisco step into this um, and take this on and and. And they connected us to 110 of, of about just a year or so ago. And, you know, now we have, uh, we just submitted 17 of our IT biz uh, students that um, are going through cybersecurity training and sales training and project management training. We just submitted them for 11 actual positions at Cisco uh, for inside sales and mobile app development jobs. And, um, and you know, and I'm trying to think of what CX, customer experience positions. And, you know, these are jobs making 60 to $80,000 a year. And, you know, so I just wanted to kind of give that tangible example that like this is really, really happening. This isn't just some pie in the sky kind of talk about it around the round table thing. It's really, really happening. And so maybe share a little bit. How many employers are part of this network? How many people are getting placed? Like, is this is this really happening? So the listening audience will will know what you're up to. Sure. So right now we've listed more than 70 um, employers in the 110 Coalition and are working with 100 talent developers such as yourselves that are plugging their talent into this space and really working closely with us and employers to get talent hired. And since we started about a year and a half ago, um, we've worked together with employers to hire and promote more than 44,000 Black talent without four-year degrees um, into family-sustaining wage jobs. So it's it's no it has been no small feat, no small effort, and I know that that number is still small compared to one million. But the ball is definitely moving in the right direction, um, and yeah, we just keep charging along. Yeah. So so just so you know, again, I think it's important to note here. This isn't um, just um, you know we're like affirmative action, right? This isn't like um, uh, where you just lob the name in there and then they get the job, right? They have to compete for the position. And, you know, it's just removing any hiring barriers that we often face where maybe we're not in community with the hiring manager or we're not in community with, um, you know, your friend down the street that knows about this job opening that is telling you about it. So it's connecting people that have done the training, that have done the the legwork to demonstrate the proficiency and um, and they're just competing for the role. Is that right, Arthi? Well, I would say a good way to look at it is to think about how do we shift the nation and our hiring practices overall towards a skills first approach. And that's where we need to start. So we know and a lot of folks working in this space deeply understand, you know, hiring based on skills is five times more predictive of future performance than hiring for education. And it's two and a half times more predictive than hiring for work experience. So it's just smart business to focus on skills. So when we talk with employers about removing degree requirements, then they are getting to access a much larger population talent pool of BIPOC talent, obviously Black talent included there. But broadly speaking, you're able to access such a large population of folks that could actually do a great job 
simply by removing the degree requirement. I think this is this is like really important point. The degree is an improper proxy for talent. You know, it is a proxy for network and socioeconomic status. It is not a proxy for talent. Mm. And I think that's the that's the conversation and that we're having with employers and that's a conversation with a lot of really organizations are having with employers europe's having that conversation with employers you are having that conversation with employers you know merit america's having that conversation that are sitting down with employers and talking about hey like let's rethink these degree requirements and remove them so we can actually diversify your talent pipelines and get you talent that is going to perform and stay because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, employers care about performance and retention. So I think that, you know, we can start to shift their thinking around hiring practices, moving more towards a skills first methodology. Then we really start to move the needle on getting, you know, black talent hired into family sustaining wage roles. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's 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 just so transformative. And, and I love, you know, like pointing out what certain uh, assessments, what certain um, indicators, right, uh, will tell you about somebody. And so, yeah, a four-year university is going to be a way to screen for economic sustainability in that family, right, a four-year university degree. Um, or or just be just a t- tremendous amount of, of uh, tenacity on the part of that person. And those are two you know, two valuable qualities, nothing wrong with that. Um, but if that's the only way people can get to family sustaining wages, then we got a problem, right? And especially when historically, um, you know, like when you look at junior college, um, 6% of junior colleges across California are black individuals, 6%, right? And then it's a much lesser percentage um, when you're going into, you know, uh, yeah. Ivy League colleges and things of that nature. And so the question becomes, well, why aren't those, why aren't BPOC? And actually, it's 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 much more profound with Black individuals than it is for Latino. Uh, I want to say it was 26% of Latinos, Latinx in, uh, in junior college. But why aren't Black, you know, pe- people going into uh, get going into, you know, junior, even junior college, two year university. And there are some really pointed reasons for that. Right. So um, when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about that and get your take on why is it that we see those barriers in place? Um, so we'll be right back. And thanks for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. To join in the fight for love, visit loveneverfailsus.com. Don't go away. Love Never Fails Radio will return right after these messages from our sponsors. This is Dr. Miluna Fausch. I am honored to serve on the advisory board of Love Never Fails, where each voice matters as lives are restored. Thank you for your support. Let's face it, you are making a pitch for something every day. Your verbal communication skills are the key to your professional and personal success. My company, Pitch Perfect Presentations, trains executives, management teams, and startups in delivering consistent, effective, engaging presentations to today's diverse audiences to rev up sales, attract clients and fans, and secure funding. Visit PitchPerfectPresentations.com to schedule your complimentary strategy call with me today. That's PitchPerfectPresentations.com. PitchPerfectPresentations.com. 
Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now, here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell. And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We again are in the studio today with Arthi Ravier, who is the managing director of West, the West Coast Market at 110. And we we're talking about family sustaining wages and, um, and ways that someone might screen and or evaluate candidates' talent um, you know, today using the 110 approach versus maybe the way we've done it historically. And so um, just to recap, we talked about, you know, what having a four-year university will often tell you about a candidate versus not. And so the question I pose to you, Arthur, I'd love to get your take is today we know that 6% of enrollees in, in junior college, two-year uh, schools in uh in uh, throughout California, six percent are black. And my question to you is, why do you think that is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think that the junior college system initially was set up to be a mechanism by which we are trained talent towards the workforce, and then it slowly shifted to being a wonderful sort of transfer institution for four years, uh, which is also great. And 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 I just do want to say, to be clear. I don't, 110 doesn't believe, and I certainly don't believe that the four-year degree isn't important. I just think that the four-year degree, there are millions of Americans out there and millions of Black individuals who do not have that four-year degree, and it shouldn't be a barrier to entry for somebody to access a high-quality wage job. So I just wanted to make sure that's clear, because uh, it's important that folks know, if, like, we are supporters of the four-year degree of the college degree, uh, but we're also supporters of employers really understanding to um, to choose talent based on skill and not necessarily just the degree. But that being said, with regards to your original question about the community colleges, I think that, you know, community colleges have a lot on their plates. You know, they are training quite a few students. They're working with limited budgets. Um, they they themselves are at capacity and might not necessarily have the, the bandwidth to really create strong market-facing activities, departments, programs that help talent get placed into really high-quality roles after achieving their associates. Uh, we have an entire team at 110 that's working precisely on this effort that is working with two-year HBCUs, with community colleges, and working closely. And we're also working with um, JFF, Jobs of the Future, on this initiative as well. Um, it's really working closely with community colleges to understand how might we better connect them to the marketplace, how might we better support them in helping their Black talent access family-sustaining wage jobs? How white might we, as 110, be that intermediary and connect them to employers in market that are interested in hiring? So I think there's a lot of work to be done with the community college system and so much opportunity to connect colleges with employers looking to hire, promote, and retain talent. Yeah, yeah. I I totally agree. And, um, you know, when I think about um, that work that needs to be done, uh, I think you're right. Junior college. So I don't know if you know this, Arthur, but I'm a adjunct professor for uh, junior college for Merritt College. And and so our students at IT Biz Tech Academy are actually co-enrolled in junior college when they're taking our courses. Um, And um, 
And we're so excited that Merit partners with us in that way. And then we get to wrap around kind of the placement arm, you know, mm-hmm. at the tail end of that education. Um, but what I see is even two years, let's just talk about it here, even committing two years of your time, you know, full time to education is a privilege that not everybody Absolutely. can take, can, can absorb. And I can tell you right now, we offer a 35 week course that is two days a week in the evening hour so people can work. And even then, finding a child care provider to watch your children, finding, a, you know, a transportation if there's a lab that you've got to go do. Um, you know, we actually identified and this. will this is, you know, a lot, but we identified 114 barriers to employment as part of our, you know, our wraparound services. And so we, you know, if somebody has a mental health challenge, like they are um, dealing with dyslexia, they're dealing with ADHD or they're dealing with depression or anxiety, but they don't have medical benefits or they don't have, you know, they don't, maybe they don't know where to get those medical benefits. Then that is the barrier to them getting the education because you know what? They never get their assignments in on time because they have so much anxiety. It's immobilizing. And it's sort of this, this round and round and round. And someone might say, well, why, you know, why, why does this population maybe have more anxiety or more depression or more whatever? Well, you know, there's generational trauma and there's, you know, generational, you know, generational poverty and all of those things have implications to your health and they have implications to your, your uh, ability to gain access to certain resources, as you said earlier. So it's just, you know, from, from my standpoint, even a two year is a hard thing to consume. What what do you think about that? I mean, I think you're saying you're speaking the truth. I mean, for most black people in the U S I mean, achieving upward mobility has been a nearly impossible endeavor. I mean, I think I heard this statistic once that said the net wealth of a typical white family in the U.S. is more than 10 times that of a black family. And I think that what you're talking to, speaking to with regards to generational trauma is the foundation of why it's so challenging and so difficult. And, you know, the embedded racism and oppression which exists in our country today make it very hard for an individual to raise in the ranks to get a little bit more money so they can afford the childcare so they can go back to school. I mean, it's just such a vicious cycle. Um, and yeah. yeah, I think that this work, you know, it's really, really, really important for employers, for us all collectively to understand at this stage, we need to think about what's the most transformative investment that we can make in people with people to elevate their opportunity to the next level. And, and some folks can look beyond the need for the basics for childcare, for housing, for food, but that is what creates the stability in order for someone to actually go back and upskill or do the job, do the work. Um, you know, at 110, again, we're building out a really um, strong team that's working specifically on wraparound support, connecting with local organizations that are providing wraparound supports and availing of government funds, government grants that are doing that. So, um, yeah, I hear you. I, I don't think that any of us can do this work without really thinking critically about those transformative investments and how we connect with wraparound supports effectively to make someone's life, you know, a little bit more manageable so that they can go back and upskill or or do the work. Yeah, I love I love um, that you guys 110 
uses this term family sustaining wages because, um, you know, for, for I'll just go back to my personal background, having been raised in foster care and or experienced foster care. I was raised in poverty and yeah. a variety of other challenges. And, I'm, you know, I landed a job in tech. And while I was in tech, someone, you know, I call it put me up on game. They put me up on game about buying a house. And they said, this is how you buy a house. I didn't, I didn't have anybody in my family that knew had ever bought a house. And so they said, here's what you do. You, you borrow for you from your 401k, start putting money in your 401k. The company will match 6%. And they, and, and I was like, well, I don't even know what that is. I don't even know what 401k is. I was so afraid. I put my money in. Are they going to steal it? Are they going to take it? You know? And, and, and then, so I had to trust putting my money in there. Then I had to trust that they would actually match it 6%. And then when the money began to uh, increase, then they said, take a, take a loan from that money so you can buy your first house. And I want to tell you, Arthi, I, I bought my first house. I think it was $230,000. I, 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 I just could not believe I was doing yeah. that. It was just, I was floored. And, and and let me tell you, six years later, I sold that house for four hundred and sixty thousand dollars and I had a check in my hand of one hundred thousand dollars after all these transactions. And I bought my last house and everything out the next house. And I had a check in my hand for one hundred thousand dollars. This is what a family sustaining wage can do yeah. for a poor girl like me. Wow. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and, 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 and so anyway, it's just, Thank you for sharing it's that just, story. Uh, you know, you, you, you don't, we all think, yeah, we, we all think we know, you know, it's like, come on, just, just get the job. Just, but if you, no one ever even tells you what a 401k is, if no one ever tells you how to, you know, how to do this stuff, you won't know. So anyway, I know, I know I'm preaching to the choir, Arthi, <laughs> you know, all about this stuff. So but maybe the listening audience will pick up some of this and be thinking about someone in your community. We're going to come right back and we're going to talk a little bit about the employers. I want to talk about how you prepare employers to get ready to bring on uh, these types of candidates. And so let's come on right back. And thanks for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. For more information on this program, visit loveneverfailsus.com. That's loveneverfailsus.com. We'll be right back with more right after these messages. Trash bills weighing you down? At Case Industries, we specialize in lowering waste costs and providing trash, consolidation, and compaction services for multifamily properties, condos, and commercial shopping centers. Let us help you reduce operating expenses and increase property NOI. Case Industries, saving the planet, saving you money. Contact us today for a property trash and recycling assessment online at caseindustries.us or call 510-566-4223. That's caseindustries.us or call 510-566-4223. Case Industries, the property manager's friend. Hi, I'm Sandra Herrera, CEO of Case Industries. I've found that many employers are looking for ways to help the community but don't know how. I encourage you to consider supporting Love Never Fails as a corporate sponsor. Love Never Fails offers all the resources necessary to help young women and men overcome the trauma of exploitation and abuse. And that's why I'm proud to have Case Industries supporting Love Never Fails Radio. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell. 
And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We're in the studio today with Arthi Ravier of 110, just having a great discussion about their family sustaining wages program uh, initiative uh, over at 110 and the recruitment of a million black talent in the over the course of the next 10 years. Um, Arthi, tell me, what are you what are your thoughts about readiness of employers? Mm. I mean, I think <laughs> I think that employers, I think that not all employers are equal. I think every employer is on their own journey towards understanding how to change and shift, you know, hiring practices to be more equitable. So I think you really need to meet everybody where they're at. You know, we have employers like JPMC, who's part of the coalition. They've been working on skills first hiring, I think, for 20 years. You know, they've been really trying to shift and mold their hiring practices to be really skills-based. And I think other employers are just starting their journey. Um, I will say that given the labor shortage right now and just a desperate need for talent, I don't think employers have a choice (laughs) if they want to stay relevant and if they want to stay competitive, they need to start thinking about how to shift their hiring and talent practices to be more equitable. And part and parcel of that is really taking a look at bias in your own hiring system and how to shift towards a skills first approach. And what does it actually look like to implement that approach? I mean, Cisco, Cisco's internal systems, I was blown away. We were in a call with Cisco and they were showing me the attestation form a manager has to basically sign once they've decided to take on, you know, a talent that is coming through, not via their their traditional sort of college recruiting network. So a 110 hire, for example, that hiring manager is committed to frontline manager training. That hiring manager is committed to their own diversity, equity, and inclusion training. That hiring manager is committed to working within a cohort of other managers to really understand what internal biases might I have that are you know, that are placing a barrier for me to really effectively help and manage my talent. How do I work with this individual? How do I, and I don't think it's just, I think these trainings and this support is helpful for any manager, for any person that they're managing. It's not just that we, you know, separate out talent that are coming in without degrees. I think it's mm-hmm. basic management practices, but I think it's really, really important to call out people's biases. Um, and so I think when you see you have organizations like Cisco that are integrating this into their operational structure, that's where you see real change happen. Um, that, that managers have to commit to doing X, Y, and Z before, before they can really start to grow their teams in these varying different ways and support their teams. Um, and so I think those commitments are really important. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I love that. And, you know, like you said, I love you do have to meet people where they are. You got to get started somewhere. Right. You can't yeah. just you can't you can't say, well, you're not ready. You know, you're you're not mm-hmm. going to get started. Well, how am I ever going to get ready if I don't start and show mm-hmm. show my commitment to this process? And so that's wonderful that you have, you know, maybe some you know a organization like Cisco that's doing a little bit more and then some others that are just getting going and um yeah and i think too um the other thing that many of the talent like i'm i'm connecting now with some of the other talent developers outside of LNF obviously and you know i think there's this preparation too that we are doing of our students and our participants and saying hey you know um you might run into these biases and this yeah. is how this is, you know, let, let's talk about 
micro and uh, micro and macro uh, aggressions. And let's talk about um, how that would make you feel and how you might respond to that and how you might help that culture or that company to um, elevate their practices for the greater good. Right. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, it's funny. I, I, I remember um, I had a, an employer that I worked for in, in sales and um, the sales manager, I was, I want to say eight months pregnant and the, and my belly was just out to, you know, Timbuktu. And, mm-hmm. and, and he said to me, you know, people are, are complaining that you're not going out on more customer calls and I need you to get out and meet with some more customers face to face. This was before we were doing a lot of remote work. And so I said, okay, I'm going to, you know, I, I said, like you said, pull, pull up, pull up, (laughs) get going, pull up by your bootstraps there and get going. So I said, okay, I'm getting out there. So I'm waddling, you know, waddling around getting all my meetings. Well, I, I decided I, I needed to meet with a bank in San Francisco and, and, um, and I, the, 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 the parking lot, the, the door space between one car next to you and your car was so slim, Arthi, that I could not open wow. the door up to get my belly out. So I had to climb out of the trunk um, so that I could get to my meeting. So I literally had on like a dress and it was blowing up and I was backing my way out with this big belly to get out of my car oh my to get to a, a meeting at a bank. Um, and then the meeting went great. And then I, I crawled back in through my trunk so that I could get onto my next location. <laughs> and I just say that, you know, this here, you know, the, talk about challenging environments that aren't ready to work with, you know, women. I mean, period. we can do a Pregnant whole other women. episode on, we could and should do a whole other episode on what, you know, women of color and particularly, you know, <laughs> You know, I think it's face in this space um, in trying to, yeah. you know, achieve upward mobility within the corporate sector. It's just, I'm so sorry that you had to deal with that. <laughs> I'm assuming that was a male manager. <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's interesting, this journey. Um, it's a journey. And there's, I think that there's just this, it's this constant tension. I feel like even I, you know, on a daily basis face with, with, with my work, the tension between the unbelievable frustration um, and hope, you know, there's just, you're walking that precipice of hope and frustration all the time. Um, But when we do see employers really lean in and make significant commitments, significant shifts, that's really what for me starts to get me excited about, about this kind of work. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we have, so many employers, IBM, Walmart, Target, United Airlines, Merck, um, Cisco, Cargill, Bain, AT&T, Amgen, um, Accenture, just Deloitte, like just so many employers that are signing up for this work. And so they're all committed. Everyone's on their journey and they're looking for us. They're looking to us and talent developers to help them figure out how do we actually start to move the needle here and how do we make our processes more equitable for all. Um, you know, there is a curb cut effect that is hopefully going to happen with the one time initiative, meaning if we really do change those hiring practices and policies so that 
you know, we can get 1 million black talent in the door into family sustaining wage jobs that will help so many more people. It's not the the benefits are going to spiral out, you know, for everyone. And I have to say, just as a South Asian person doing this work, I bow my head in gratitude to the, you know, to black people and the black population. I mean, if it wasn't for the civil rights movement, we're not, my family isn't here. South Asian, you know, folks were not able to immigrate to this country. And I just think that, you know, we see how, you know, the curb cut effect is a reality in so many different, you know, areas and places. And I think right here with this 110 initiative and what we're doing, we really want to support that black talent. And we know we we get that black talent in the door. Um, it's going to affect and, and ripple out and serve so many more folks. Awesome. Well, we're going to take a quick, quick break here and um, just uh, take a, a little, a few moments. And thank you so much for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. To join in the fight for love, visit loveneverfailsus.com. Don't go away. Love Never Fails Radio will return right after these messages from our sponsors. This is Dr. Miluna Fausch. I am honored to serve on the advisory board of Love Never Fails, where each voice matters as lives are restored. Thank you for your support. Let's face it, you are making a pitch for something every day. Your verbal communication skills are the key to your professional and personal success. My company, Pitch Perfect Presentations, trains executives, management teams, and startups in delivering consistent, effective, engaging presentations to today's diverse audiences to rev up sales, attract clients and fans, and secure funding. Visit PitchPerfectPresentations.com to schedule your complimentary strategy call with me today. That's PitchPerfectPresentations.com, PitchPerfectPresentations.com. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell. And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We again have had a wonderful time with Arthi Ravier of 110. So grateful to have you on the show. Um, I would love to get people. So how can people get connected to you, Arthi, if they want to learn more? Sure. Yeah, just go to our website, uh, 110.org. You can learn all about our mission, what we're doing. You can reach out to us via um, the website and c- get connected. Uh, if you're an employer listening to this and interested in connecting with 110, uh, please, um, you know, fill out the the get to know you form on the website and we'll be in touch with you right away. If you're a talent developer, if you're an individual that's super interested in learning more about 10, we have an entire marketplace that we built out uh, the 110 marketplace where we are matching. And we didn't even talk about the marketplace, Vanessa. We just stayed on the mission. But the marketplace oh, yeah. is, really, <laughs> is really where all the magic happens on our marketplace. Uh, so that's where individuals can sign up, uh, create a profile in the marketplace and start to look for jobs. All of our employers, we have thousands of jobs that are posted on the marketplace uh, that are available for 110 talent to search for. Um, we have employers that are posting those jobs directly on the marketplace. So I would say your first stop shop to 110 Check out the marketplace and check out our website. And then, you know, you'll you'll find this through those realms. Wonderful. Well, there you have it. So 
uh, if you are a candidate, someone maybe who doesn't have four-year university, you're a black person um, who is interested in getting into a family-sustaining career, um, set up a profile and start to apply for some of the positions that are there. And maybe you're an employer that says, I want in. I want to be one of these employers that is doing this important work. Reach out to Arthi and see how you can get plugged in. And certainly if you have uh, if you are someone who wants uh, IT training, uh, we have several classes that are coming up in the IT uh, space. Um, also, you know, dealing with sales, customer service, project management, engineering slash technician, and then entrepreneurship. And so you can sign up for Love Never Fails Tech Academy, our IT Biz Tech Academy at loveneverfailsus.com forward slash IT Biz. Um, and then, of course, um, wanted to just share a few other things we're doing in the market as I normally do. We've got a Freedom Walk coming up this Sunday, tomorrow. Uh, it will be at the Fremont uh, Fremont High School in Oakland. It is being put on by New City Church and Easttown Church. Um, and it is from 4 to 6 p.m. It's $25. You get a t-shirt and all proceeds are going to Love Never Fails. You can register for, by, for that by going to our website, loveneverfailsus.com forward slash events. And there it is. Um, and so please join in there. Also um, want to just give you a heads up. We're going to be doing a golfing event in Danville um, in October. And um, the focus is kind of focusing on um, Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So please uh, stay tuned. We don't have the actual date yet, but I want to invite you to be a part of that. Also, if you're in the Oakland area and you are concerned about what's been going on with SB 357, the increase in demand, the increase in missing children and missing people um, that we're seeing and just overall human trafficking in the Bay Area since this bill was signed and pretty much de facto legalized loitering for the purpose of prostitution. If you're concerned about that and you want to kind of share your heart, you're in the Oakland area, come on out on the 22nd of uh, September from 6 to 8 p.m. down to 1445 23rd Ave, right off of the track there off the East 14th, 1445 23rd Ave. Uh, from six to eight, it is the um, Oakland Violence Prevention Coalition Gender-Based Violence Committee is co-hosting it with Oakland Frontline Healers. You don't want to miss it. Come on out. It is going to be a community community healing circle. And there we are going to let everyone kind of give voice to how they're feeling. Residents, folks that are impacted, parents that are looking for their missing children. I know for me, over the weekend, we got a report of a 15-year-old missing from Hayward that was being uh, last seen in Oakland, being groomed by someone in Oakland. We got another missing report of a 19-year-old from Oakland who actually just returned today, was threatened. Um, this is getting crazy. So please come out. If you have any feelings about this, come out and uh, and join us. I also wanted to just put on your um, radar uh, a save the date we actually are already, I know it seems like it's a long time away, but I want to make sure and get it on your calendar. We have a save the date for um, March the 11th, Saturday, March the 11th. That evening, we're going to have our annual gala. And the theme this year is Masquerade Ball. Um, again, we're celebrating the journey to freedom. Oh, I don't want to forget, if you are in EPA, and you you definitely want to come and join us in East Palo Alto. Come and join us also uh, tomorrow 
at 9.30 or 11.30. If you're Spanish-speaking or you know somebody who's Spanish-speaking who wants to get more involved in the fight against human trafficking, come on now to St. Francis Assisi at ENEPA. We will be out there at 9.30 and 11.30. Come and join us um, and let uh, let your voice be heard and hear what uh, a survivor leader who's going to share a little bit of her story has to say. All right. I think that is it. We always want to invite you out to our community engagement center in Hayward. If you have needs, if you need clothing, if you need toiletries, if you need resources, come on out 12 to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday and um, and check in with Sandy over there, Louie, and they will help you. Also, if you would like to donate items, you can drop them off as well. Gently use or new items to be distributed to the community members in need. Please go ahead and uh, see us there. All right. I think that... I've covered most of the things we've got to offer at this time. Again, we want to thank you, Arthi, for being here with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you. This and um, pleasure, Vanessa. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm so glad you could be here. And so just keep doing what you're doing. Woo-hoo! Um, and we're grateful to be a part of it. Um, and of course, I want to end the show just letting those that are listening, if you haven't heard it before, or if you need to hear it again, always remember, you are loved. Thanks for joining us this week on Love Never Fails Radio. We trust that you've been inspired by these stories of hope and love and that you'll accept our challenge to get involved by contacting us at loveneverfailsus.com, by liking and sharing our Facebook page, Facebook slash Love Never Fails Radio, or by making a contribution directly to Love Never Fails. This program is the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails, which is a donor-supported nonprofit ministry that Vanessa founded as a way of directly impacting the lives of young people who are trapped in or at risk of becoming involved in human trafficking. This broadcast needs your involvement and support. To find out more, simply go to loveneverfailsus.com and click on the radio show link. Today's program was brought to you in part by Case Industries, as well as supporters from Faith Fellowship, New Hope Christian Fellowship, and the International Church of the Foursquare Gospel. On behalf of Vanessa and the whole team at Love Never Fails, thank you for listening, and thank you even more for committing to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Give up a chance, give up your General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.